Welcome to The Edge of Act, the podcast where we explore the intersection of human stories and business success. I'm your host, Carolyn Crawford, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as we explore the minds of entrepreneurs, marketers, and visionaries who have mastered the art of alchemizing their personal journeys into their business success and learn how you can apply what they've learned to your own business. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply someone fascinated by the power of human stories, The Edge Effect is here to offer you insights, inspiration, and a fresh perspective on what it truly means to make your mark in the world. Get ready to be moved, motivated, and challenged as we embark on this incredible journey together. So let's begin. I'm Carolyn Crawford, and this is The Edge Effect. Hello, everyone. I am with the wonderful Sienna Kopischke, founder of Sienna Kopischke Coaching, a 3X multi-six-figure business owner turned business coach, podcast host, and speaker. Sienna, welcome. I am so excited to learn more about you and the brand that you have cultivated for yourself. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm just really excited to be here and just to chat with you. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, let's dive right in. I want to start- all the way from the beginning, because <laughs> when I was learning a little bit about your story, I it was just so fascinating and I related to many parts of it. So I want to know, can you start from do you, whatever you feel comfortable sharing <laughs> from the beginning of like your journey over the past few years and how you ended up becoming into this entrepreneurship and then especially now with your coaching business? Yeah, my story is so wild. I always I have to preface by saying that because if I don't, <laughs> People are going to be like, what is going on here? So it started really, I got my bachelor's degree from the University of North Florida. And after I got my degree, I was like ready to rock and roll. I mean, there's some stuff that happened before that, but we can, we can start there for now. Just to make a long story short. So I got my degree and I was really excited to rock and roll into my career. I had a lot of internships at like marketing agencies and all the things. And it was a lot of fun. And so I said, okay, well, somebody has to like hire me. So I really started looking at different companies that I wanted to work for. And I figured out that I wanted to work for this television and radio station that is local to Jacksonville, Florida. I won't say their name just because the story is just crazy, but I really wanted to work there. And so I saw that they were hiring for a digital campaign specialist. And I was like, oh, that is exactly what I can do. And then they denied me. They were like, nope, like you can't work here. And so I just kept applying and I applied six times and they interviewed me all six times, which I don't understand because they already rejected me the first time, but whatever. (laughs) So I went on to be rejected six more times, even though I came into the office and like met with them. And because they were a radio station, I think this part is kind of crucial. I would listen to their station literally every day. And so anytime I was driving, I would have that station playing. And as you know, a lot of radio stations will say the name of their station in between music or different things like that. And so I would always say, after they said their name, I would always say, I'm going to work there one day, even though I was rejected six times. Like (laughs) I just like knew in my heart I was going to work there. And so right after college, I had had this job as like a debt collector, which was not the best, but it was what I could find while I was waiting on my dream job to open the doors for me. And I got a phone call, I want to say like 10 months later from my dream company that I thought was my dream company, at least at the time. And they said, Sienna, we should have hired you. We made a mistake. 
And like, mind you, I had not applied <laughs> in like 10 months. All I had been doing is saying like, I'm going to work there one day. Right, every- to yourself. <laughs> yeah, to myself in my car. And I got a phone call out of the blue. I was like, I was actually driving around listening to their station. And they, the uh, recruiter called me and was like, we really made a mistake. So I get in the doors and it ends up being the most toxic work environment that I have ever been in in my entire life. It was not what I wanted. Obviously, God was trying to protect me, which is why I got rejected six times. But I was still like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. And so, you know, it just it didn't work out. It was really, I would say, like really racially toxic. And I tried Mm. to explain that, but nobody was listening to me because like they said that they it was not racially toxic. And I remember it got so bad that it got to a point where I went up to my boss one day and I said, hey, can we, is there something that can be done because I I really need help and I feel like I'm failing here because I can't do my job properly because I need certain things and X, Y, and Z team is preventing me from getting the materials that I need to be able to do my job. And this was happening on a daily basis. I felt like I was chasing people down. And so because I was always running after people to get materials, I wasn't able to service my clients and I had 70 clients under my, like just under me. And so it was a lot, it was very toxic. And my boss said to me, well, if you want the team to respect you, you need to take them out for coffee, which I thought was a really weird statement because here I am fresh out of, yeah, super weird. I was only making $40,000 a year and like, I could not afford to take anybody out for coffee. Like, I am very perplexed by this. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Yeah. My boss, she was, she was ruthless. She didn't care. And she was like, you could just take them out for coffee and like, maybe they'll be nice to you. But in my opinion, I was like, okay, but this is a job. Like people should give me what I need anyway. So we can all get our jobs done. Not that I have to kiss their butts in order for me to get what I need. Like that's not fair. So it just, it became really unhealthy. So one day I was sitting in my office on lunch break and I decided to look up plane tickets. Just like, I was just looking at them. I wasn't like, I had no intention of buying. And I saw, I saw a $200 plane ticket to Spain. And I was like, oh, I'm going. And it was, the plane was leaving in two weeks. (laughs) I love it. And it was like, it was so crazy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Spain. So I ended up in Madrid because I had a friend who went to college with me and she actually lived in Madrid and she was a teacher over there. And I went and I visited her and I spent like a couple, I think I spent two days in Madrid and I was gone for like at least a week and a half to two weeks. And then I left Madrid and then I went directly to Barcelona and I, oh my gosh, that is where I learned so much about myself. I was at, it was in Barcelona. I was staying in a party hostel. There was literally a club directly underneath my bedroom (laughs) that I was staying at. It was, it was just like a whole different version of me. Like that's not (laughs) something I would do today. I'm married now. I have a a two-year-old son. Like I'm, this was like a long time ago, Sienna, like, (laughs) but also spring. What I have learned as I just came back from Spain for two months is that it brings it out of you there. I was doing things like, I was going out every night. I was like, what? What am I doing? Like, I've never here. I was last night. I went out to dinner with friends. It was 630. I was like, I got to go home. I got to go to bed. (laughs) Very, two very different Carolines. Exactly. (laughs) Spain. (laughs) Spain is like, it's a whole nother 
cultural experience, right? And I mean, I have some really awesome stories from my time there, but ultimately like I was partying almost every night that I was there because I was staying at this party hostel. I was meeting all these wonderful people. And at the time I had just started dating my now husband. So we had just started dating and I was gone. I was just like living it up in Spain. And I, one night, I think it was like my second to last night there, I decided that I wasn't going to party that night. I was going to go on a walk. And it was 10 o'clock at night. And I went on a walk by myself. And I went to this like pier and I was watching all the boats and like the water. I mean, it was really dark. So probably shouldn't have been out there alone, but it just happened. And I just started crying. Like I could not get myself to stop crying. And I was just like in a very emotional state where I was like, oh my goodness, I am miserable. My job doesn't respect me. I cannot do my job properly. So it looks like I'm doing a really bad job all the time. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm literally fighting. I'm going home every day. I'm having like anxiety attacks coming into work. I'm having like chest pain, like coming home from work every day because I was so stressed out because I was literally, I wanted to do a good job. Like this was a, a company where I saw myself growing in. This is a company where I saw myself flourishing in. And they did not respect me. And it didn't matter how much I tried. It didn't matter how much I said, hey, I need help to my boss or even to my boss's boss. I was ignored every single turn I got. And so I said, okay, I need to put in my two weeks, but I have no plan B. Like I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I need to put in my two weeks because I can't do this anymore. And so I went back home. I put in my two week notice. I like gave that in. And then I got fired like a couple days later. She was just like, you already put in your two weeks. You can leave. Like they, they didn't like me so much. And I have no idea what I ever did to anyone there other than exist. And so I was sent home and then I, my boyfriend, he's my husband today, but like back then he was my boyfriend. My boyfriend and I were living together. And I just remember coming home and I was like, I don't have a job anymore. Are you, can you pay my bills? And like, that's all I could say to him. And he was so, I mean, we were living together. He was so sweet. And he was just like, I got you. Like, it's fine. Like, we'll figure it out. And like, in my brain, I was like, if he says no, I'm just going to go home to my parents, right? Like my parents will help me. They'll support me until I can figure it out. But he was just like, I got you. It's fine. Like we, we were building our, our lives together. We already knew that we were going to go in the direction of marriage. Like that was something that we had talked about already. And so everything was good. And then he covered me for a couple of months and I decided to start a company called Your Life Travel Club. And that's really where my first like entrepreneurship started is I started Your Life Travel Club, which hosted international retreats for women. But then as we all know, in 2020, <laughs> the world came to an end and I had to shut down that part part of my business. I couldn't travel anymore. I couldn't, you know, pick up and go on trips. And all I had to refund back every single client that I had that we were about to go on trips with. And that was really hard because the vendors that I had worked with didn't refund me back. So then I had to like figure out how to come out of pocket to refund these women back and all of these things. And it was just a very wild experience, which is why contracts are so important. I've learned that today, but you know, after that, I decided, okay, I'm going to pivot. I'm not going to stay down. First of all, no one's hiring anyone in the middle of a pandemic. I have to figure out how to make money. 
turned that into a podcast called Your Life Travel Club. And I interviewed these, like a bunch of women who had really wild travel stories of their own. And because I I was interviewing people who had like thousands of followers and like were really like Instagram famous brands started to notice my podcast and I started to get sponsors. And that is how I survived the pandemic is through sponsorships. And like, that's, that was my bread and butter influencer as well, because then I started to not only market their company on my podcast, but I was also marketing it on my Instagram page and it just like took off and I was, I was making really good money until 2021, which is when I got pregnant with my son. Um, and then I was diagnosed with a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum. For anyone who doesn't like know what that is, because <laughs> I did not know what it was until it happened to me. It is a condition that only affects 2% of pregnant women worldwide. And so I'm a lucky 2%, but for me, I had an extreme version of it. So for some women, they have it just for the first trimester where it causes you to extreme like vomit a lot, but I had it for the entire nine months and I was throwing up 120 oh times a day. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And so I was peaking 120 times a day and I like lost so much weight. I became 70 pounds in my pregnancy. I was just like skin and bone. And then I think like on average, I was hospitalized like 12, 11 or 12 times. I can't remember the exact number. I do try to block a lot of that out because it's very like painful to relive. But at the end, my body actually ended up going into organ failure and like my organs were shutting down. And so they had to do an emergency C-section to take my son out. And yeah. And then from there, I went through all of that. As you can imagine, because I like was vomiting so much, I wasn't able to talk, which means I wasn't able to have a podcast. So my, we are active duty military. My husband is in the uh, U S Navy And so we were moved from Jacksonville, Florida, which is where I'm from originally. And we got stationed here in Virginia in the middle of my pregnancy, which was hard because I was ripped away from all of my family, from all of my friends, my support system, my doctor who like my doctor actually specialized in hyperemesis gravidarum. And then coming here and because I was already halfway through the pregnancy, I wasn't able to see a specialty doctor. I had to see a regular doctor. And as a result, my doctor didn't understand what was going on. Because remember, this is a, it only affects 2% of pregnant women. In fact, she started telling me that I was lying, that there was no such condition and all these things. Yeah, it was really bad. And I honestly believe I went into organ failure because of my doctors. Mm-hmm. They did not listen to me. They did not help me. My husband and I really struggled at home on our own. Yeah. And it was it was rough. Like we went through a period where we were so used to having that dual income and now we only have one income and now we can't pay our bills. We were really financially struggling. And I think that's such a huge part of my story because after that, I I literally left that situation. And one month postpartum after having my son, I decided, okay, I need to make money. But at this point I'm kind of unemployable because I don't, I have like this huge gap in my history. I can't just go back to work. And I also really don't want somebody else raising my kid. And so I had to figure out what does this look like, right? Like I can't just go back into your life travel club because I lost all of my connections. I've lost all of these brands, you know, all of these things. I didn't have money to like keep up with the podcast or bring in somebody else. Like 
everything, I just had to put all my resources, whatever I had in savings into my house. Mm-hmm. And it became really, really tough. I mean, we maxed out all of our credit cards and like, I'm very open about this story because it's so raw. It's so real. And it just was such a tough time for us. And so I came out of that and I said, okay, I'm starting the mommy agency, which was my social media management agency that I had. And we like, I, that business just scaled so fast and we were getting so many clients and like everything was working out. It was very stressful because I was a brand new mom and I'm like trying to take care of a newborn. I'm trying to readjust like my body, like, you know, like my health, my, like my mindset was completely different. I I have all these hormones that are just like bouncing off the walls. And yet I'm still managing clients and I'm, you know, managing, and I ended up having a team. I had eight employees. And then I decided to give all of that up to become a business coach because I realized while being a social media manager and having my agency was great. What I loved the most was actually helping my clients see sales as a result of their social media. And obviously, as you probably know yourself, clients, it, it really has there's a lot of other areas that have to be put together in order for your social media to actually drive sales. And for some of my clients, they weren't understanding that. And I ended up coaching them through that process. Like, Hey, your website has to actually be up to date, or these are places where we need to drive that traffic and it needs to be done properly. Otherwise, no matter what I'm doing, you're going to lose out on money. And I think for some clients, they really didn't understand that. And so I knew I needed to step into coaching. So this way I can help people with their entire business plan. And that's where I am today. Yeah, it's wild. Started with Barcelona. (laughs) Great things come from Spain is what really was the whole point of all of it. Okay. I have so many thoughts and questions. Yeah. And I'm going to go actually back to the beginning really quickly because I think that's such one it's it is not easy to walk away from an environment I mean everyone like complains about their job and things like that and it's one thing to like complain about it and be be miserable and but like a lot of people will just stay so it's incredible that you were like why am I here why am I doing this and yeah and you know doesn't really matter where you went but clearly Barcelona was like a really nice kind of (laughs) gap or separation from for you to like get that clarity or whatever so like it's incredible that you were able to do that and without a plan b because that is not easy but at the same time you chose yourself and you were like i this is not okay and how you were treated was not okay and it's absolutely ridiculous it anytime i hear stories about this like i didn't like my back my career history and my own jobs was not no you're totally fine my career history and my own jobs was not you know, picture perfect for sure. Like I definitely was in some toxic environments for sure. But when I hear of things like this, I just cannot comprehend it. Like I just, and like people who people stay, people will stay. And I I understand why they do because it's scary because you don't know what's on the other side, but it's also to me. And I think to you, it's scarier to know what else will happen if you do stay. Yeah, I I knew I needed to leave, to be honest with you. And I think it's because I was so anxious to get into work that in order to drive to work, I had to put podcast like positive yeah. podcasts on, listen to like positive music. It was so toxic for me. And I felt myself like coming home every day crying. I started to like have like and I still have this today. And I think it's I think it stems from that. Like I have health issues in regards to my chest. 
And I really think it stems from all of those times where I was really, really stressed in my corporate world. And I think a lot of people don't realize stress can manifest into a physical issue in your body. And if you're Mm -hmm. stressed for a really long period of time, granted, I was only at that job for seven months, but it was so much stress that it felt like I was at that job for years. And that's like, you know, a lot of stress being put on your body for such a long period of time is not healthy. And it can... I mean, people get cancer from these types of things. People get like really, really sick or they end up in hospitals or have heart attacks. And I felt myself going in that direction. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Like I'm, I was still so young. I mean, I am now, but still so young. I have my whole future ahead of me. There's no reason why I'm going to, you know, and I also, I think at that point of my life, I didn't have any real responsibilities. Like I didn't have a child. I didn't have, you know, a spouse. I had just started dating. It was just really me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like, if I, if I was in that situation today, because I have a child, I don't know if I would do that, but I am also the type of person that feels like, I would figure it out. Like I would figure out something else to do, whether that's going to another job first, right? Making sure that I have a plan B, securing everything. I would take a little bit more precaution, but I took none. (laughs) But you know what? Like sometimes you have to do that, do it that way. Like Mm -hmm. I, there, I, I've done that before where I just was like, I hate it here so much that it just, Mm -hmm. at a, like, and again, like everyone's going to be different and this is not for anyone listening, not a recommendation to like yeah. just jump without thinking about it always, but like also pay attention to how you feel because sometimes that outweighs, like you have to trust that you're going to figure it out. You have to trust that for like sure. the universe will step in and, you know, catch you and, and, and whatnot. And yeah. so I think that's clearly what happened. And I think you came out stronger for it clearly. Thank um, you. I have a question about like the job itself and how yeah. you went because instead of finding another or I don't you didn't mention this at least but instead of finding another job elsewhere you ended up just deciding to start your own business mm-hmm. what was it because you like is it fair to say that maybe it was like there was just this horrible environment that you just came from that there was like a fear that others would be the same because you were so excited about that yeah. one you know, I think this all, I was listening to a podcast around this time of my life and the podcast doesn't exist anymore. Otherwise I would definitely name, name drop. Um, but it was hosted by Catherine DeRusso and she, it was amazing. It, it was like very female empowerment podcast. And she had, uh, she's a life coach and she, she talked about like her journey and starting her business and all of these things. And because of that, and all of the wonderful things that she was sharing, I knew in my heart that I needed to start a business. I'm very, my husband will tell you this, like anybody that knows me will say this, I'm very influenced by the media. So I do, I have to be very careful with what I like watch and what I like read and different things like that. Like I'm very sensitive, but when it came to her story and listening to her, I listened to it every day. Like on, this was the podcast I listened to on the way to work every single day. And it was all about like, stepping into your CEO version of you and like all of these things. And it was like a self-help, self-help podcast. And I was like, Ooh, that is what I need. And so for me, there was no job that was going to fulfill that hole in my heart. It was only working for myself. Yeah. 
that's fair. It's fair. And it's, I, and I asked because it's always so interesting to see the re the real reasons why people step into it because it's so interesting. And like, I don't think I've talked about this on my podcast. I've talked about this just with so many people who've had yeah. their own businesses. Like it's not for the faint of heart. It really, the hardest part about starting your own business, like the marketing stuff I could do in my sleep. The, yeah. the owning your business, like running it, all of it falls on you and it really can mm-hmm. take an emotional and mental toll sometimes. And so that's why it's, it's always interesting to see how people make the jump. Yeah. What the other side looked like for them. And so, and it, cause it's always, it's a lot of it's can be the same, but it is always different. Like there's always some, some differentiation there for sure. Right. So I, yeah. I, I always like to know where that where it stems from so that's cool and congrats like I mean clearly it's worked out but like what a journey it's been for you and I think too like you also got to tap into something that you love which was traveling at the time and that was like that was a really important part of your life it sounds like at the time it was yeah so one thing I didn't mention was before all of this I thought I wanted to be a doctor I actually really wanted to be a surgeon because again I'm super heavily influenced by the media so I was like oh I'm gonna like I was watching Grey's Anatomy a lot and I was like I'm gonna become a surgeon right crazy idea and this was when I was in college still so I found this company that takes students to Germany or like to different parts of the world and at different countries to study under surgeons. Because in America, if you're not licensed or different things like that, you can't just go into an OR. But in like other countries, you can, like the laws are different. And so I ended up in Germany for 30 days prior to, this was like before I graduated college and all these Mm -hmm. things. And I was studying under these surgeons like I would go in the OR and I would like watch surgeries happen like literally right in front of my eyes and it was really really cool and when I had my breaks I would get to travel and so I traveled to like all of these different countries in Europe all on my own and it it was so much fun yeah like so much fun and I think that's where my love for travel has really stemmed from is like I had this really crazy experience where I went to Germany. I studied under these surgeons and like on weekends or like after work, sometimes I would just go to other countries because it's so easily accessible, right? Like you just hop on a train and like you're in another country and it's not like, it's not like here in America, but (laughs) yeah. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with other people's cultures. I fell in love with all the different languages and the food and the music and like all these different aspects and like how nice people were. My mom was freaking out. She thought I was going to get kidnapped, but you know, I made it home. (laughs) Everything is fine. And yeah, it just, it was a journey. And I think that's why I started a company called Your Life Travel Club. And I was like, I've been to all these places. Yeah. I can take other women to all these places. And so it just, it made natural sense for me. Yeah. It's interesting how that marries in because you said it was for women on retreats, right? And so yeah. I couldn't, I don't know what you like activities were planned on the tri- the retreats or the type of women that you were inviting, yeah. but typically with retreats, you invite people who are also into the self-help thing and, you know, yeah. and that's, it's interesting to see how that, like your love for that also like weaved in to this, yeah. even though it was obviously travel focused, but. Yeah, know. it was different, but it was really exciting. And yeah, I mean, self-help is a huge part of my journey. Like I, this is when I really dove deep into like 
getting to connect to myself and understanding my why and all of these things and like helping my clients understand their whys. And it just, it was so powerful for sure. You're talking to a self-help junkie. So I understand. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I could talk about it all day long. Okay. So how did you, cause this was your very first business. So what was the marketing of it all like for you? How did that work out? Cause it seems like it was relatively very successful. And then of course, like COVID hit and then got a podcast. Can you talk a little bit about how you started to grow that business and that side of things? Yeah, for sure. pertaining to the marketing of it all that would be so this is actually something I even teach now like when we think about marketing as a whole I look at marketing and sales as a funnel right so we start at the top the top of your funnel really needs to be mindset so if you believe that you can do it you can do it if you believe that your company is going to be successful it's going to be successful if you have no faith in that it never will be and that is so harsh but it's it's just the reality because you have to have faith in yourself and in what your higher power for me, that's God. And so going through that journey back then, you know, I had to really start with that mindset, which we know that obviously I had, because I kind of like made such a big pivot and I said, I'm going to start a business and it's going to be fine. Yeah, it was, it was hard. It was really hard at first, but everything did work out. And I think that's because the second part of my, my, strategy, my funnel after mindset is your visibility. How are you getting in front of people that don't even know that you exist? And I think this part is really, really important. And so for me, when I was doing your life travel club, I would go on podcasts just like I am now. I would get in front of people who don't know me and their audiences who don't know me. And I will share my story and I will share what I'm doing and I will share resources And I think like for some people, we really forget that visibility metric. We really forget, like we have to get in front of people who don't know us. And so another thing that I did, of course, would be engagement, right? Engaging on social media, wherever it is that you're finding your clients, you need to make sure that you're constantly engaging. So if you're on LinkedIn, we need to engage with other people's content on LinkedIn. If you're on Instagram, engage with your ideal followers or ideal clients on Instagram Wherever that is, engagement is such a huge piece of that. And that is visibility because now we're bringing these people into your world and we're funneling them into one specific place. And for when I was doing Your Life Travel Club, my strategy was high on engagement, high on podcast guesting, as well as blog guesting. So I would guest on other people's blogs and I would really like, I would really just go all in and share what it is that I did. I did pay for ads. I think we were doing Facebook ads, which I didn't really have a lot of money for, but (laughs) it's really funny. I actually hired the company that I quit to run my Facebook ads. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And what I love about that so much is that when I inquired, the sales manager said to the sales girl who brought me on as a client, you're wasting your time with Sienna. She doesn't have any money. She's not going to be able to pay you. (laughs) And I paid them $12,000 in cash to run my Facebook ads. And I think that is such a, it it really shows their character. Like the fact that he would say that she's never going to pay you. She's never going to like support. She's not going to be able to do this. Don't waste your time with her. I probably would have given them more money But after recognizing that I, like after hearing that statement, I just was like, 
I'm never investing in you. Like, yeah, I knew I'm that they didn't you even did. <laughs> well, I did because they all have always done a relatively good job for their clients. And they were the only ad agency that I knew mm-hmm. because I had worked there. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe they didn't like me as an employee, but they'll like me as like, if I'm paying, I'm a client, right? But I still didn't really get the attention that I needed. And it wasn't until like my contract, because I did a three-month contract at first, my contract came to an end that everyone was like, oh, we should sit down with Sienna and see if she could spend more money. And I was like, no, I'm not spending any more money with you. Like, you've wasted my time. You don't even think my business is ever going to take off. And I'm not going to do that. And that's another thing I think, like if we're investing in people, that person or company, whoever has to actually believe in you as well, because it doesn't work. Like your mindset is everything, but it's more than just your mindset. It also, any person who's directly involved with your business or your agency also has to believe that it's possible for you. So if people are hiring business coaches, if your coach doesn't believe that you're going to be successful and they're just giving you strategy, they're not giving you the strategy to the best of like to, to your best interest. And that's hard because they have to care in order for them to do their, their best job. And so like, even when I transitioned into the mommy agency, my social media management agency for me, you know, really getting visible was kind of a, a mix of like showing up on podcasts, doing engagement, really just like put yourself out there. And then the third piece of my before sales. So the third piece of my funnel is your marketing. Where are you marketing? So if you are going on a podcast, where are you funneling people into, right? Where are you bringing the people who don't know about you to? For me, that's my Instagram page. I have I have been in business total five years now. I've never once had a website. I do plan on having one <laughs> in the future, but that's because my business has changed. So I've now been asked to speak on stages and different things like that. And so with in-person situations like having a website is very helpful. But if you run your business completely online, it is not a necess- necessity for you at the time. And I I fully stand by that. And I think one thing that I have done for myself is I make sure that my marketing nurtures my audience. So I do not sell in my content. I am very nurture heavy. So what exactly is it that my client is going through? What can I show them as possible with working through me? How can I create content that helps them overcome their pain points? And maybe not like I'm not solving every single problem that they have through my content because then they wouldn't need me. They don't need to hire me. But what I am doing is I'm showing what it's like. What is the transformation going to be like if you work with me and making sure that you understand that? And then the selling piece for me, because I, I'm i an Instagram girly. This is where I make all of my money. I only sell on Instagram stories and I teach my clients not to sell in their content. And the only place we sell is in our stories. And because we reach a wider range of people. And if you're consistently engaging with your ideal audience, you're going, those people are going to see your stories, especially if you're having DM conversations with them. Now that doesn't mean like showing up and cold selling people because that's disgusting and gross, but it does mean build relationships with people, get to know them, have conversations. Like last week I just signed a new client and I signed her because she posted a story about her air fryer and I have the exact same air fryer. And we started having a conversation about her air fryer. Like this was weeks ago. And so like over a couple of weeks, 
we chatted about her air fryer and different meals. But because we're having a conversation, I never once brought up my business. Because we're having a conversation, Instagram is not only showing her my content, but it's also pushing my stories to the front of her feed. So now she's watching my stories. She's seeing me selling my stories. And now she's like, hey, I saw that you have X, Y, and Z offer. Can I, like, how do I get involved in this? Right. And now I'm sending her a link to sign a contract and invoice and all these things. Mm -hmm. And that's a done deal. And it's like, how can we nurture our audience? How can we connect with people? How can we get to know people as human beings and not as sales? And then the last piece of the funnel is your sales. And so then like going through that process, whatever that looks like for you. Okay. I love so much. I love, I just love <laughs> all of that. Okay. I want to go back to something you said earlier, because I have, like I said, I've taken, yeah. lot, I've taken a lot of notes and I have That's a lot okay. of comments. <laughs> One of the things, and I think it ties back to what you just kind of ended with as well, like came full circle. Yeah. Is that earlier one, the, t- the top of your funnel, like the mindset piece. I think it's interesting that you, you know, you see everything as a marketing, I mean, as the marketing funnel, and which is fair. And, and for those who are like listening and not aware of the funnel, it's really just the different stages of the customer journey. But what yeah. was interesting that you talked about was the top of your funnel is the mindset. And you mm-hmm. weren't even talking about the customer mindset. You were talking about your own. And mm-hmm. so I've, I have not heard anyone when talking about a marketing funnel, talk about it from that angle, because it's like, this invisible piece of it. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what the hell you're doing, like no one else will know what the hell you're doing. And like, that's why positioning is so important. And the positioning piece is, this is why my podcast was created because I like to see how people's mindset ends up impacting how they then market their business and all the things. So it's so interesting that you said it that way. But I just wanted to make a quick comment on that. Yeah. I loved what you said and you used the word, you know, people, the visibility of it all. And you, you mentioned that people forget the visibility metric Mm -hmm. and, but you didn't talk about like numbers. You talked about it from the core of what visibility is. And that's like you said, engagement was a heavy piece. Obviously there's other strategies getting there on podcasts like that. But I think that's where a lot of people get trip themselves up over because they're so focused on the specific metric and that's what they view as the metric when you're like, mm-hmm. no, the whole point is to engage. doesn't matter if you're engaging with 5,000 or five, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think that was something that I really wanted to come back to because I think a lot of people forget that piece and everyone knows visibility, visibility, visibility. And like, that's the whole point of marketing, if you will, but at the same time, like true marketing is really just connecting. It's Mm -hmm. really just understanding, figuring out how to communicate and, and connecting with the right people. But the journey is how you do that, who you're doing that. But what's interesting too, is if you don't have the mind mindset piece, that journey ends up kind of looking a little less linear. Exactly. And I, and mindset is so important. And I think like we talked about a lot of people really do push that to the side. We're like, we're not paying attention to that. If you don't believe it's possible, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to succeed. And so if you're like, Oh, you know, I really, I, I need more clients, but you're, you're not, your mindset isn't clear on how many clients do I need? How, 
how am I going to get those clients? What am I going to do? Right. Then what ends up happening is you put yourself out there and then you feel like you're failing because you don't believe in yourself. And so you're like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'll put myself out there or you don't put yourself out there at all. I've had this happen with clients. I have one client who I recently let go. She was working with me one-on-one. And I, I said, I can't work with you anymore because I had been working with her for a year and her business has stayed stagnant. And that had never, I've never experienced that as a coach. And with her specifically, and this is not a bash on her. She's an amazing person. Like I love her as a a human at the core of it all. And we're still really good friends, but I can't, I just can't serve her as her coach. Her mindset isn't where it needs to be. And I can't figure, I couldn't figure out how to pull her into the positive mindset for her to take action. And so for her, her mindset was no one's going to pay attention to me if I go visible or I'm too shy to go to a networking call or like she was so sheltered. She would like in zoom meetings and things like that, she would turn off her screen and I get it. Some of us do have anxiety when it comes to showing up. Some of us do have like other issues when it comes to showing up, but sometimes it is just your mindset holding you back because you are too afraid of what's going to happen on the other side of you actually showing up. And we need to step outside of our comfort zones in order to grow a business. If a business owner is the person who breaks the rules, does things differently, constantly steps out, regardless, your family, your friends, they're not going to support you when you first start your business. I'm sorry. It, a lot of people are like, oh, but my friends are watching or my family is going to see this. Who cares? They're not going to buy from you anyway. Like, let's move on. Let's focus on you. Strangers are going to support you more than any family member ever will. And that's just the truth. So we got to just put ourselves out there and do it. And if we fail, we fail. And it's good because we can learn from that. We can grow from that. And if we don't try, then you'll never know what it's like to actually win. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. (laughs) Um, Okay. That's amazing. Another thing I wanted to touch on that you mentioned was like the the piece of the puzzle where you were like, I've never had a website. I've only yeah. done Instagram for instance. And like, obviously there's like other channel, like podcast, get being guests on podcast. Right. Like but I wanted to touch on it is because, and I, there's, I have past episodes where I've talked about this with some people of like, I think people get tripped up about everything needs to be perfect. Like we've all mm-hmm. been there. Right. And we all think that we're, we're missing out on something. And like, yeah. I've, there's a, I, social media is a huge one, right? Where people are like, I have to be on social media, but then they are not actually into social media. So they don't actually Mm. engage on social. And the same can go with like a website, right? Like everything for you. What I like is that you were like, I like Instagram. I feel, I feel like I can connect on LinkedIn. So in Instagram for as just like one example. Right. And so that felt natural and easy for you. And you didn't feel the need to get a website in order to do that. The reason I'm calling it out is because it can look different for everyone. For me, yeah, of course, I'm on Instagram, but solely personally, like every once in a while, I'll post for like on, you know, a related right. to my business and stuff like that, because like I follow other people and I'm engaging, but I'm not mm-hmm. posting, you know, the content or whatever. That's just not the channel I chose, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be unsuccessful and that it is unsuccessful. Certainly. So I think that that's something I wanted to call out because 
the more people understand that like you don't have to be everywhere. And again, Mm -hmm. kind of going back to that visibility metric, people are comparing themselves to people who are years ahead or just at different stages in their business, have different size, their business is a completely different size or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're on channels. You can't compare yourself to like Nike that's on every single channel, right? right? Like you have to be very selective with your time and your energy. And I really appreciate that you were like, yeah, Instagram is, is the avenue that I chose. So yeah. Was that, did you ever have any kind of doubts or lack of, or just some sort of insecurity around, oh shoot, should I have a website or should I have X, Y, and Z? I think like, because I have a marketing background, I really understood like how you said, Instagram isn't the best fit for every single business. LinkedIn isn't the best fit for every single business, right? TikTok isn't the best fit for every business. It really just comes down to what makes sense for you and your business structure. How do you want to market? Every single client of mine has a very different strategy and are making clients from very different platforms. I have one client who specifically sells and nurtures and everything on Clubhouse. And a lot of people are like, wow, it's it's 2023, like Clubhouse is still a thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, she is on Instagram, but she doesn't post very much on Instagram. She's very much like Clubhouse is her jam and she has figured out how to make it work. I have another client who is a bookkeeper and she does something different, right? She's on Facebook and she makes all of her clients from Facebook groups. And every... It doesn't matter what platform you pick. We don't need to be everywhere. You just need to find that one platform that makes the most sense for you. I needed a platform for me where I can nurture my audience properly and really build a community. You know, I host like a networking event every Thursday at 12 Eastern time. And like, I needed a platform where people could see what's going on. How's the networking call going? How is like all of these different aspects of my business going? And Instagram was the best place for me to showcase that. Like I could not do the same. And also you have to think about where's your ideal client? Are they on LinkedIn as opposed to Instagram? Are they on Alignable as opposed to LinkedIn? Where is your ideal client? And it depends on like your range. If you want to work with more professionals, but maybe you, your, your types of clients are small local businesses, then you're going to want to get on alignable. You're not going to want to be on LinkedIn. If you want to work with like bigger brands, you're going to want to get on LinkedIn. If you want to work with like the general public, because maybe you have something to offer for like a wide range of people, you're going to want to get on TikTok. If you like, you know, like, so every every type of platform has their specific ideal client following. And you have to understand that before you pick that platform. And then you have to make sure that whatever it is that you're creating actually nurtures your audience from that standpoint. So it's, it's kind of like a mix. Like you have to pick it based off of what your personal preference is, but you also have to pick it based off of where your ideal clients are hanging out. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I, I, I appreciate that you use that distinction and because again, it lends itself. And then, like you said, like at like the right after this, like that last piece of the funnel is like, how are you feeding everyone back in? And it doesn't yeah. really matter where they're coming from. Like as long as the journey is very clear for them, as long as yeah. they have access to you in whatever way that needs to look like, that's exactly. really what matters. And so what's nice is that you've found a way that genuinely does work for you yeah. and that it's also very clear for the clients. And I also really like how earlier you had mentioned like 
you're nurturing everything that you're putting out there, you're nurturing. And you also provide a distinct space for the sales part because people yeah. need to know about the sales. They need to know what you offer. And oh, like yeah, for otherwise sure. people are, not, you kind of do have to spoon feed people a lot of the time, but yeah. like, you know, you at least have it to where it's like they're cat. I hate to say it this way, but like you're capturing them essentially oh, sure. with, and that's how you gain your following or, or engagement on their side. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this is how, if you're interested, this is how you right. work with me. So I appreciate that. And it, cause it's such a delicate balance too. And I think people just it go is. so hard on the sales side because they think that they just need to let everyone know. And then they miss this other side where it's like, mm-hmm. ultimately at the end of the day, you just got to provide value for people. People are just yeah. looking for what's going to be entertaining, what's going to be valuable, what's going to, you know, whatever's on their right. mind. They're just looking for that. And so everything else comes, can come yeah. later, but it's part of that funnel for sure. Exactly. They need to see that you can actually help them with their issues. Not that you're just like pushing sales, because if you're pushing sales all the time in your content, you're basically telling your ideal client that you don't care about them and that they're yeah. just a number to you. Yeah. And that's why I do not sell in like there. I have specific feed posts that are like, this is what my program is about. Like if I have sure. a group coaching program, but it's not like, join now here you go sign up like it's not like that it's just like this is what we talk about in here and then in my stories I really like I have a whole and I can walk you through it really quick but I have a whole strategy on what I do in my stories and it really is nurture heavy so I call it like there are three main types of stories that I post every single day on purpose in a specific order. So the first one is what I call my soft sell. This is where I am talking about my business without talk, without saying, buy from me here, right? So for example, if my client is, my client just had a win, maybe my client just like landed a $5,000 client of their own or something crazy. I'm going to hop in my stories and I'm going to share that, but I'm also going to share where this started for the client. I'm not just going to share like my client hit 5,000 and I'm not going to share like a review. I hate when people do that. It just grosses me out. Nobody's reading that. People want to know that you can help and they want to hear it what has happened. They want to see like what has happened. If they want to look at reviews, they can go to like my highlight section on Instagram. That's not what my like nurture sequence is for. So in my stories, I'm sharing like, Client C just made $5,000. And before this, she was struggling with X, Y, and Z. This is exactly A, B, and C, what I did to help her and yada, yada. And then I have like a a celebratory post. So I ask my audience to celebrate with me by tapping an emoji. Because if they can like see it, they can feel, oh my gosh, this is really exciting for Client C. She's just like me. I was at X, Y, and Z point and Sienna took this girl from X, Y, and Z point to A, B, and C point, whatever, you know, that sounds backwards, but you understand. And if I can show them like this client is just like them, yeah, she's having these awesome wins today, but you could have those wins, right? They're trusting me. And I'm talking about my business without talking about my business. And I just leave it alone. So that's the first type of story that I post in the day. If I don't have like one of those things to share, sometimes I'll like hop in my stories and I will teach something. So I'll do like a, um, I do this segment called make coffee with C. And so like, I'll make my coffee while I'm teaching 
how to do something like teaching how to increase your visibility or teaching how to increase your sales or your marketing or whatever. I don't do that every day, but if I don't have anything else to share, like I will hop in my stories and do that. I also think it's very important for me to show glimpse of my personal life because I teach the importance of work-life balance. And so I have to showcase that I actually have a good work-life balance. And by doing that, what I do is I show myself homeschooling my son. Now I don't put my son's face on Instagram. I don't say his name on Instagram, but I do show like the back of his head as we're like focused on the whiteboard. Like we are homeschooling. Like we do this every morning and we're reading a book, whatever that is, I'm showcasing. It doesn't always have to you don't always have to be working. You should be doing other Mm -hmm. things in your life. And then the last two pieces of my story that I post is going to be, the first one is content. So whatever content I posted for that day that nurtures my audience, I'm sharing that to my stories. I am not covering it up. I'm, I'm writing words next to it that share what that content piece is about and why it's important or what I want them to do. And I always have a call to action, like click to read more or something along those lines, because I want them to actually go to that piece of content because- why did I create it if no one's going to read it? And then the last piece that I post at the end of the day, and I do, I do segment these out, right? I'm not like posting all at one time. I like, I give some space, but the last piece that I post is my hard sale. So this is where I'm saying, this is my offer. This is who it's for. This is how much it costs. This is the direct link where you can click on and you can go buy. And I do this every day, Monday through Friday. Wow. Wow. Incredible. I love that it's basically a formula that you're just like, Mm -hmm. you're just, you just repeat essentially, but it doesn't feel so repetitive all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. I love that. And I love the soft sell about just sharing the wins and doing it in a way that's just very organic. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. So (laughs) we just, I just, if you have a few more minutes, I just want to (laughs) ask a little bit about your personal brand. Because yeah. you've been so generous with the strategy and I appreciate it. And I think anyone and who's going to listen to this is going to be like, oh my God. And like, we'll write everything <laughs> down. But for your own personal brand, what does that look like for you? I know from what it seems like, right, You, it's very important for you to be very authentic, to not overly sell yeah. and whatnot. But what I thought was also very interesting when I was like looking up your social media was you're very bold in how you talk to people about the relationship you have with your clients. So mm-hmm. I think I saw a post about like everyone, like, you know, if you don't want to be my friend, then yeah, <laughs> I can't coach you. You're also very open about your faith and how like, that's yeah. really important for people to know about you. Can you explain right. why? Yeah. I think the biggest piece for me is like, I I'm a Christian I'm, I'm, you know, and because I'm a Christian, I just don't believe that I can have a business without bringing the Lord into it. And I have clients who are not Christians. Like I'm not going to force Jesus down anybody's throat. I'm not going to throw a Bible at you. You know, I'm not that type of person that just isn't me, but I will pray for my clients. And I think I have like a a post about that. Like I'm going to pray for you. And these are all the different ways that I'm going to pray for you. I'm very, I just can't, you can't have one without the other, in my opinion, like Jesus is, is my whole world. And so he needs to, he is a part of my business and it just is what it is. You know, I do talk about motherhood a little bit because I'm a mom, 
I want people to connect with me. It's 2023. We're going into 2024. No one, and I mean no one, is buying from anyone they don't know, like, and trust. And I am not going to let anybody come into any of my containers that I don't know, like, and trust. So a complete stranger can't go, hey, Sienna, I want to work with you. It just doesn't work that way. That's not a part of my funnel. If we don't know each other, we've never had a conversation. We need to first start by becoming friends. And here's the biggest piece to why I do that. A lot of people are like, oh, you're just turning money away. Like if they wanted to hire you, just let them pay you. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to let anybody just pay me because my, how I build businesses is based off of understanding you and what you are going through and your life. And if I can't understand what's happening in your life, what are your responsibilities? Are you a mom? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Do you have five kids? Do you have no kids? Are you a dog mom? Are you married? Are you single? There are intricate pieces that people forget are so important to building a business. And I believe businesses do not get built around like businesses. Your lifestyle shouldn't be built around your business. Your business should be built around your lifestyle. I'm very lifestyle first. I'm going to put my child before I put any of my clients because my child is only two. He needs his mom. I'm extremely involved in his life. And that's just the way that that is. And my clients respect that because that's how it is, right? It doesn't mean that I'm ignoring my clients. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, neglecting them. All of my clients are actually doing really, really well. And I'm very hands-on with them, but my family comes first. And so as long as they understand that and respect that and vice versa, I can understand wherever they need to converse. If you would rather travel the world and only work two hours a day, I'm going to teach you how to build that business so you can travel the world and work two hours a day. Like I am very you need a life outside of your business. Your business cannot control you. And so by showing my life, I exemplify that. I love that. And I also love that, like, through doing that, you are attracting the right people, like you said, right? Like you are, you're not going to let anyone who doesn't necessarily agree, not that they have to believe in the same things that you believe in per se, but it's like, they have to also respect the way that you run your life, just like you will for them. And I think that's extremely important. And also to filters out the people who don't, because yeah, yeah, visibility matters, blasting it all out matters, but the, you're going to have a very small segment, no matter what of mm-hmm. the right type of clients. And I think that's yeah. the more you do things like that, that show who you are, your brand, the easier your, that filter sure. process becomes. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I, Love this conversation. Thank you so much, Sienna. How can yeah. we support you? Where can people follow you? Yeah, I would just love, you can follow me on Instagram, right? <laughs> My name on Instagram is Sienna Kopischke. I'm sure that'll be in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes for sure. <laughs> Kopischke is hard to pronounce or spell. Um, that So you can find me on Instagram. And then also too, I did mention this a little bit, but I do run every Thursday. I have a networking call for female entrepreneurs. It is every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I would love to have anybody that is an entrepreneur join in on those calls. They're very like fun. It's not, it's a no sales environment. It's just like, come meet other women like laugh with other women, cry. Oh my goodness. Two weeks ago, (laughs) we all cried on the call because we were talking about like different types of things that women go through. And it was, it was just overwhelming. And like, I, you know, I can't stress this enough. I get so many compliments on like how my call is run because it's very women centered. And it's the one thing that 
in my opinion, is going to fill your cup for you to get through the rest of the week. And it's only an hour long. So like, come have fun, meet other friends and yeah, let's grow businesses together. I love it so much. That sounds so (laughs) fun. Okay. We'll put all those details in the show notes for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sienna. This was amazing. And I love, thank you for being so generous with your journey and, and where you are now and how you got there. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. That's it for this week's episode of The Edge Effect. But the journey doesn't end here. We encourage you to take the lessons learned from our guests and apply them to your own entrepreneurial endeavors. As you navigate the ever-evolving world of branding and marketing, remember that it doesn't have to be overly complex. But communicating your brand effectively is an ongoing journey. It requires continuous refinement, a deep understanding of your audience, and an unwavering commitment to stay true to your story, the unique edge that sets you apart. Stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to unravel the challenges of branding and marketing through the incredible impact of human stories. Until next time, keep embracing the edge, embracing your story, and making a difference through your business. I'm Caroline Crawford, and this has been The Edge Effect.